Now, The Interpreter Show, with discussion, debate, and the latest information on all kinds of religious issues and topics. This is the Interpreter Foundation radio show. The Interpreter Foundation exists to encourage study of the gospel and faithfulness to the church by making the latest scholarship available in its journal, publishing books, holding seminars, creating documentary films, and by providing roundtable discussions of the scriptures. You can find us at interpreterfoundation.org, where you can find all of our materials, including these radio programs, which are posted as podcasts, and you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or through any of the other podcast apps on Apple and Android devices. If you like this show, tell your friends about us and review us on iTunes or on your favorite site for podcast apps. The Interpreter Show is brought to you by the Interpreter Foundation. The mission of the Interpreter Foundation is to support the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints through scholarship. It's sponsored by the Kimber Academy. Kimber Academy is a K-12 private school, which, unlike public schools, keeps God in the classroom. Kimber Academy is a special place where teachers guide students toward faith and morality with quality, engaging curriculum. At Kimber Academy, every parent's voice is heard. In Utah, Kimber Academy is located in Linden, Utah. There are many other locations throughout the United States. To find out more or schedule a tour, call the director, Jessica Bianco, at 801-382-7158 or go to KimberSchool.com. That's KimberSchool.com. This evening... We are uh, going to be joined by Kevin Christensen. We're in the studio with John Thompson, and I'm Steve Densley. Uh, we should have Kevin on the phone. Let me see if we've got uh, Kevin here. Kevin, are you online? Yes, I am online. Great. Great to have you, Kevin. I, I don't think there's any need to introduce you. I... I uh, I think our listeners are probably well familiar with who you are. Um, Kevin has written a book review of Grant Hardy's annotated Book of Mormon. It's called An Important Addition to the Library. It uh, went into uh, the Interpreter Foundation's journal recently. But before we get to that, let's talk briefly about the article that went in the journal on the same day. It's called Joseph Smith and the Red Sea in 2 Nephi 19, verse 1, by E. Jan Wilson. Jan Wilson is a physician who also has a Ph.D. in Hebrew and cognate studies from Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati, Ohio. He and his wife Ellen spent, or Eileen, spent several years in Germany, where he was training as an eye surgeon, and spent several years in Israel, where he studied at Hebrew University and participated in archaeological excavations. He's also in Lebanon for a year, researching ancient manuscripts. He and his wife both participated in the creation of an electronic Dead Sea Scroll database, initially for farms and then for BYU, where Dr. Wilson was an associate professor. He's also published translations of ancient documents written in Akkadian, Sumerian, Hebrew, Karshuni, and Aramaic. In 2010, the Vatican published his translation of one of their manuscripts, which was a medieval medical document written in Syriac and Arabic. 
His two-volume translation of the earliest Syriac Gospels is now cited in the authoritative Nestle Allen publication of the Greek manuscript of the New Testament. So I was excited to see this article and uh, see what he had to say. It, it, it focuses on an issue that sometimes the Book of Mormon is, and, and Joseph Smith are criticized for. In 2 Nephi chapter 19, verse 1, there is a quotation of, the, um, of Isaiah, and it's a little bit different. And that sometimes happens. It's, it's always interesting to see when, um, when that does happen and, and try to uh, analyze closely what may be going on. In this case, the King James Version of the verse talks about uh, the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. And in the Book of Mormon, the same phrase is translated the way of the Red Sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. So this kind of raises uh, an issue because uh, the Red Sea isn't quite near Jordan or Galilee. And so it's kind of a head scratcher, you know. Um, why is it that it would be translated that way? There have been some other theories about how that happened. John Tavednis had a theory that this was simply a transcription error, kind of a, you know, something that Oliver Cowdery misheard and that he was, uh, you know, kind of, kind of had, you know, the Red Sea on the brain when uh, he, uh, when he, he, he transcribed this particular verse and that um, uh, he just threw in red in front of C as he was transcribing it. And then that, that uh, particular word never was removed from the, uh, from, from the Book of Mormon. Um, so, you know, that's one theory. We, we really don't have a way of, of verifying if that's, you know, really what happened, it, you know, except to compare to other texts and, uh, you know, where we don't find the word Red Sea. Another theory was proposed by D. Charles Pyle, and uh, this involved the King's Highway, uh, which is a route that leads out of Egypt along the shores of the Red Sea, and it passes through Edom and then changes directions after meeting with the way of the sea in Galilee to go off into the Mediterranean. So the idea is, is that you've got this road uh, that's, that's leading all the way up from Egypt out to the Mediterranean, goes past Galilee, and, um, you know, and so that would explain, you know, why you're talking about a, a way of the sea, in other words, a road, you know, that leads to the sea, right? And that that road, if you go back to where it originates, it does pass, you know, in the vicinity of the Red Sea and, and makes it w its way up to the Galilee area. And um, so that's a way of, oh, uh, you know, making these uh, differences and expressing the phrase. Um, it helps to reconcile them. Um, again, it's, you know, it's not definitive, um, but that, you know, maybe helps explain some things. Um, that wasn't an explanation that was totally satisfying to Jan Wilson. He felt like that uh, there's something more going on. He didn't feel like that that particular location 
was, uh, or that particular ex explanation was well enough supported. So he took a close look at the Hebrew and, um, you know, looked at the Masoretic text, um, you know, tried to consider uh, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls version of Isaiah and um, his his theory, he, he admits that it's, it's speculation, but he feels like that it's, um, you know, a, a pretty uh, good, you know, pretty, pretty solid um, theory. Uh, and that is that the brass plates version of the text of Isaiah may have had the word sufa instead of the present word yam, when, you know, where it's talking about... Um, you know, the sea and the, you know, the, the Red Sea, and uh, that later, um, you know, as the text of Isaiah is, you know, recopied by, a, you know, subsequent um, scribes, that, uh, you know, somebody who's unfamiliar with that word sufad decided to replace it with the word yom to, I guess, you know, felt like he was making the text more clear and correcting it. Um, you know, it, it, the, the article goes into some depth in explaining why it is that that um, may have happened and uh, how it is that that could explain, you know, in the transmission of the text over time, how it is that we have a, uh, a version now that just says C, whereas earlier on the brass plates it may have said Red Sea. Um, so, um, John or Kevin, um, any of you, either one of you have any comments on, on this particular article? Um, I think the, the, the connection that he's making is the word Red Sea, as it typically shows up in the King James Version, is translated from two words, Yam Suf, and, and it's the Suf part, which actually literally translate read, um, that he's connected to the word Sufa, right? Which is, which they now know um, Sufa is a, is a place that is located um, along the Jordan. And well, and that, and that the original translation is probably wrong, where, where, you know, we say Reed Sea, you know, maybe is what it should, how it should be translated instead of Red Sea, and that somewhere along the line, you know, that became garbled. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think, um, yeah, so he's making the claim or, or the argument that that um, that the, it, the original word may have been Sufa, which would be geographically then satisfying what's going on here with uh, some land near in, the Galilee. In the region of the, the Galilee. In the Jordan, right? Yeah. And, um, but then... Well, and he translates a district, right? Well, he the, translates the word Galilee as district, right? Yeah. And, and, and so the idea is that... Um, if the Sufa region is what was originally there, then it may have been um, mistakenly connected to the word Suf or, again, Yam Suf. So it's like a couple of steps you have to take, right? You go Sufa to Suf to Yam, which is C. And, um, and so, but, but I think he's making the argument that that may have been what's going on. And, and you know, and so, so I think the two, the two biggest probably uh, good solutions is the one he mentioned um, from was it Pyle Pike? What was his name? The, uh, uh, yeah. Well, the, yeah, the first Pyle. 
Yeah. And also John Tavednos. Yeah. yeah. The idea that, you know, I mean, I grew up, not grew up, but the last 10 years, you know, about we've been living in Massachusetts area. And, you know, if you're in a town outside of Boston, there's always a Boston road <laughs> in that town, even though it's 30 miles outside of Boston, because the road goes to eventually Boston. that's where it ends right. up. And so I think the same idea might be happening here where you have a road that's that's leading to the Red Sea, you know, that that could be referred to. So that's one one way. And then I think um, Wilson's proposed is another way of, you know, of perhaps solving this problem. Kevin, what are your thoughts about it? Well, I, I enjoy this kind of article because it's, <clears throat> since I'm just basically an English speaker, it's a reminder that, that we do have a translation. And, and uh, I, I studied enough in French and, and uh, I've read enough that I understand that it's difficult to do a, an exact word-for-word translation as though there's a single meaning that emanates <laughs> from, from texts or objects. It's just, uh, it's always a, quite a bit fuzzier than that. And there's, there's a, I think there's a really interesting uh, line in uh, DMC 128 where Joseph is, you know, quotes a verse from Malachi, and then he makes a comment, I might have rendered a plainer translation to this, but it is sufficiently plain to suit my purpose as it stands. I think there's that <laughs> flexibility uh, about translation, and then you combine that with the statement from Brigham Young where he said that if the Book of Mormon were translated again in his time, he said it might, the wording might change. And because languages change, sometimes the meaning of words change uh, just over time. I like it when people with technical skills take a close look at the scriptures and tell us what they see, because that helps me see things that, you know, left my own devices I would never think about. And I like the expansion of the mind and the enlargement of my soul and the humility that comes to me from reading these things, because it's a reminder that there's more to see. And uh, I, I'm just—it's one of the things I'm grateful to the interpreter for, for for letting people with these technical skills look at this our scripture from a number of different uh, perspectives, and and just help us think about the complexity and the inspiration that, that we have. You know, it, it's a remarkable thing, and uh, it gets more remarkable all the time the more I learn about it. Well, when we look at the changes that Joseph Smith made to the text of Isaiah, where he's um, translating the... Uh, the University of Utah. In turn that off. Uh, we, uh, when we look at the text and we see changes, often the changes make sense from the standpoint of just making it more clear. You know, that we've got something here that um, helps a, a modern-day reader... Uh, understand a little bit better what the meaning was. That's that's especially true of the the, uh, the what we call the inspired version of the Bible that that Joseph Smith gave us. Um, this particular verse uh, doesn't seem to fall into that category. It's, it doesn't seem like he's you know cleaning up something or or illuminating the text. Um, it, you know there doesn't seem to be um, any obvious reason why you'd throw in the word red. And, you know, so I appreciate, like you say, Kevin, um, you know, somebody like Jan Wilson, he, he has some, some unique qualifications to take a close look at this based on uh, both his um, study of Hebrew, but also his study of the Dead Sea Scrolls and, you know, his knowledge of the uh, Isaiah Scroll. Uh, so I think this is fascinating that he's done this, uh, this work to, uh, you know, dig deep into the 
into the uh, the texts that we have and compare what the Book of Mormon gives us and, and see if you can come up with a plausible explanation for what's going on. And it's, it's, it's plausible. I think that, um, you know, his theory, uh, you know, it makes sense. It, it is speculative. We don't really know that that's what happened. Um, I, I do think that... Um, you know, the, the Charles Pyle theory is also still viable, you know, that this may be uh, a reflection of, you know, two different descriptions of the same road. Um, it's, it's plausible, you know, that uh, Oliver Cowdery heard it wrong, you know, John Tvednis's theory. Um, although I, I think that, uh, you know, what, what Wilson says about that is that the, the earlier quotation regarding uh, the Red Sea um, came in, um, oh, 20 chapters earlier. So it seems a little unlikely that, you know, Oliver Cowdery would have had that fresh on his mind. Um, it's also, you know, to me, uh, striking that Joseph Smith never changed that, never felt like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, Oliver. That's not what I said. Um, left it in. Um, now, we don't know that that's, you know, a definitive um, explanation for, for what's going on. Um, I love how there are explanations. There are plausible theories about how this happens. Um, it seems unlikely that Joseph Smith would have just, you know, if he's making this up, um, throw that in. You know, I mean, it's, it, 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 you know, if, I, if I'm trying to, um, you know, commit a fraud, I don't think I would do something that, uh, you know, is... Uh, that, that takes this kind of depth of knowledge of Hebrew to unravel and explain, uh, I might have just left that alone, right? Uh, instead, somehow the word red gets in there for, you know, instead of just red, in, in, instead of just C. And, um, you know, to me, it seems that there was something going on in the brass plates that uh, we don't have anymore. And so I like the uh, example or the explanation that Charles Pyle provides, and, uh, and I like this new explanation that Jan Wilson provides. Um, it gives us uh, some different perspectives on how it is that, um, that this may have happened, that both um, take seriously the historicity of the brass plates and the Book of Mormon.